Everything is Alive is brought to you by Progressive, one of the country's leading providers of auto insurance. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you say what kind of coverage you're looking for and how much you want to pay, and Progressive will help you find options that fit within your budget. Use the Name Your Price tool and start an online quote today at Progressive.com. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Just letting you know, this episode of Everything is Alive has a very tiny bit of foul language. Okay, on with the show. Hi, I'm Ed. I'm a Sharpie cap. Uh, I'm Tammy. I am the barrel of the Sharpie. The part that writes. Yeah. Um, and you all, uh, in case that's not clear, you belong we, together. We are together. We We're are a together. We're married. We're and, married couple. Uh, we, yeah, I could say we, we belong together. No, we do belong together. I mean, we literally were created to be together, and we ended up getting married. Not all Cap and Barrel are married, but we did get married and married quick, and it and, has been great. But it's not like, I mean, there's a big bin of caps and a big bin of barrels. And imagine how lucky we must be to Absolutely. Have, yeah, yeah. But we weren't, like, made to, I mean, we, we made ourselves be together. Uh, we, we made it. Okay. So you said, uh, I think, that not all Sharpies and Caps are coupled. Very true. Um, So... Or not, you know, they may end up together by kind of default. Yeah. And so it's sort of like... They're paired up. They're not married. they're not married. Yeah, Ed wanted to do the ceremony, so we did it. We did the the real deal, and we are really committed mm-hmm. yep well i'm curious paint that picture for me what tell me tell me how how the wedding worked so we planned it we had a lot of time to plan it um and really i feel like in the planning we sort of discovered more about each other and more reasons why it w- was sort of meant to be to be honest uh you know i get written with a lot you know uh we belong to andrew who's a advertising executive. And so he, uh, especially Ed, uh, used to be placed on the table. And so I think that was a time where a lot of planning was happening. And then I get busy, you know. I had a lot of time to myself. And so I could, you know, I worked out my vows and I worked out her vows and it yeah. made it a lot easier for her to just kind of be. And then I could say like, oh, I'd never say that, you know. Right, a rewrite. Stuff. And then she gets to do a rewrite. Yeah, yeah. She's a pet. Yeah. You know. What were um? Do you, I mean? I, I imagine you remember your vows. Oh, uh, 100%, I mean, 100%. Ed definitely does. Right? Yeah, I remember yeah, our yeah. vows. I have the gist. Can you tell me just a little bit about what you said? Uh, Tammy, <laughs> I, I remember. Um, I will, oh, sorry, I was doing. A, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Tammy. I promise to always remain faithful to you. To cap you to post you, to keep you moist, to keep you safe, to remain tight around you when I'm on you, and when I'm off you, to never be tight around anyone else. You're getting a glimpse into my life right now. <laughs> right? This is <laughs> I know, it's Ed too likes much. To dream. Ed I'm likes the to romantic. dream. I'm I like the romantic. to stay in the moment. Mm-hmm. No. I like to stay in the moment. And uh, I, my vow is just, um, Ed, thank you for keeping me strong. Mm-hmm. Thank you for uh, being there when I'm weak mm-hmm. and rejuvenating me. And I love you. Yeah. So I'm picturing it correctly. Were you all, um, what's the term? Were you joined? Were you were you capping, Tammy, when, mm-hmm. when the ceremony? Yeah. Yes. We're capped unless uh, Andrew has uncapped us or something else has happened. And, uh, you know, so... He gets really concerned about bad things happening. We were separated for a while. I'm going to be real honest about that. And uh, so you may have noticed in Ed's vows that there's a lot of stuff about being faithful. Yeah. Not posting, not capping. What is posting? Posting, uh, oh, (laughs) yeah. Posting is when the cap of a pen, and it's really any pen, Sharpie, fountain pen, Bic, whatever. We we got a lot of pens in the office. Uh, But it's when it goes on the end of a pen it's a pen is posted oh gotcha yeah not all yeah. pens are postable you know sometimes the cap doesn't fit on the ends or steve he's just retractable yeah 
Steve is retractable. Uh, that is called a knock. Just that little device with the. Oh, got it. Got it. He has so knock. many moving parts. I'm worried about him. It is very full of fear. I'm. I mean, I have every right to notice things that are threats and to mitigate those threats by worrying about them. But anyway, so uh, we were separated for a while, and I was uh, with uh, a different cap, and uh, that was hard for Ed. That was hard. How did that happen? Andrew left us out on a table, and uh, his coworker Jason came by. Jason's not very careful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he likes to write. He likes to use different colors for his... He's very... Like, he's always coming up with ideas that need to be thrown away. Yeah, he's the one that, like, the client, so the client feels like, oh, you guys gave us a lot of ideas, and yes. then we'll choose Andrews. Okay. Right, and yeah. they always are saying, we have to throw in some Jasons, so they so the client has something to kill. And I'm like, it took me a little while to realize they meant just say no to the idea. For craft singles, it was like... Let your cheese get a divorce, craft singles. And I was like, really, man? That's that's an automatic no, he right? came up with cheeses, which was Jesus made out of cheese. And we're just like, nobody's, you yep. can't do that. No. And he drew cheeses and he kept, he drew, drew all the. He also the, misspelled craft. Just so I'm, I'm clear, let your cheese get a divorce was a slogan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jason's a boss's son so he's not going anywhere right but anyway so we were in jason's office he he never posts he just throws the caps around the table and then before i knew it there was a red cap on me yeah he was shooting ducats with me he's got like a little wire circle attached to the back of his door and he was trying to get basketball hoop yeah, whatever. Okay. He's trying to get me in it, and then I actually. Did you say shooting ducats? That's what he kept calling. I'm shooting ducats. And Not he... buckets. I think it is buckets. Okay, I, I maybe I misheard him, but I, I thought he said ducats. You thought he said a made-up word. Well, it's Jason we're talking about. The guy's constantly making. Okay, them. okay. Sorry. So I'm I got sorry. caught I, on. I the... come at Ed hard sometimes, mm. and it's. I'm sorry. So that, that's what makes me strong. I mean, you can't like. like uh, my job is to stay on her tight, yeah. and uh, you <laughs> I <know>. can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness, yeah. you need to make yeah. sure none of the air yeah. touches her. So, uh, Jason was shooting yeah. baskets. Okay, and I Thank got you. stuck. Or baskets. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a, a soft yarn fabric underneath the wire thing, and uh, the, the I, I hooked it. I hooked on, and I was up there for quite a while, uh, quite a while. It's hard for me to hear about this, I'm going to be honest, because it just makes me want to beat the shit out of Jason. And, uh, yeah, Tammy got, Tammy, unfortunately, was forced to uh, endure a long period of time capped by a different cap. So so that's why the vows had all that stuff. Honestly, I— And I don't blame Carl at all. He was just being, you know, he had to— Carl was the, the cap. Yeah, the, yeah, red cap. It what? doesn't matter what color he was. He's, I mean, but he was red. What was I mean, a, who puts a red cap I think he wants to ask you a question. Black he, he gets sharpie. A little, okay, sorry. It's okay. And even if, even if there were moments of it that you were, you know, enjoyed. Nobody said that. Okay, but I'm saying even Did if there I were, say that? I don't blame I anyone, say that. and I'm not, I'm not trying to be like— So we got married. So we were having a lot of these conversations, and I said, will you marry me? And, uh, and Ed started crying, and it got me all choked up, and, and then he had a wedding to plan, and then the, they were married. Forever. I, I know that that was a very hard part of both of your lives, and thank you for— I know it's hard to talk about. I think thank you both for doing that. Yeah, apparently it was uh, twenty-seven months. It was twenty-seven months. Yeah. Though. Wow. Yeah. I was just kind of assuming it was a couple days. No, no, it was twenty-seven months. I don't know. It's hard for me to tell. Like all I could see, you know, 
was red. Hey, Ian. Hi, Neve. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Neve, what's the best way to identify you? Um, I think Neve Alon, Associate Curator at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Okay. Um, so, Neve, I'm calling because I remember seeing this writing board at the Met. Yeah. It's this kind of tablet from Egypt roughly 3,000 years ago. Yes. Um, how much did you say? 2,000? 3,000. 3, 3, um, maybe even... 4,000 years ago. Okay. Well, what's on the writing board is this uh, this letter written in black ink. And then off to the kind of sides of everything, there's these there's red ink. Um, right. Can you explain what that is? So if you go around and look at the red markings, these are definitely corrections or someone is saying, this is how actually you should write the sign. Or... You forgot uh, a dot here. <laughs> it might even be a correction of a grammatical form. And then right at the end, there's like a, a rather large group of signs all written together. And here it's a whole word that was left out or that the other person decided to add in. Does it make sense to think that this was an assignment 4,000 years ago? And the, the red ink is the teacher going in and marking it up? So that is the common understanding in, in Egyptology of what this is. It seems logical to assume that, but we also know that writing boards were used not just for students. For, for me, it's just, it's crazy that using red ink to mark mistakes goes back 4,000 years. Mm -hmm. is, is there something about red? Like, is there something, is there a connection between red and bad? So there is a, a connection between red and bad. Um, it's kind of the color that has been known to be connected to one of the gods in Egypt, who's kind of the god of confusion and the god of, of things that are not usual, let's say. And later on, red seems to be something that is sometimes avoided. But when you look at letters, it's not exactly to mark that this is a negative, that has a negative aspect. Neve, can you tell, uh, given the number of mistakes this person was making? Were they a bad student? <laughs> um, I think they were excellent students. <laughs> um, I think it's... Um, as a person who has terrible hieroglyphs, some mistakes I would say, yes, should be avoided, but um, it's hard to judge so many years away from that. Did you say you have terrible hieroglyphs? Yes, I, I did say that. <laughs> a lot of Earlier Egyptologists had wonderful drawing skills and wonderful hieroglyphs that I'm always at awe at. Um, I myself use a, um, a software on my computer to do it for me. So you have bad hieroglyph handwriting? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, and when I teach, I teach hieroglyphs, so when I teach that to the students, I do have to draw it on the whiteboard. And that's when it's terrible. I am curious. I feel like we're getting to the end of our conversation, if we were to write goodbye in hieroglyphs, <laughs> is that something, like, what What would you draw? I think I could more easily say hello, welcome, than goodbye. Okay. Well, we'll end with hello, then. Uh, so what, what would you write? So the, the phrase that we know that they've been using is kind of a, oh, come in peace. Uh-huh. And... There will be different signs in it, but the <laughs> Ridley for the walking legs, probably quill chick and a double stroke uh, owl. So wa walking legs, a quill. You said quill chick. Quill chick. Um, bread over a table. Bread over a table. Another piece of bread, but a round, a half round one, and a pea. A, a pea. Um, so that's. Probably I would how I'd write it, and someone would make fun of me for even doing that. I want to ask you: um, Can you describe your smell? <laughs> uh, Ed smells like home. Oh. Were you describing each other's smell? I, w I guess I was thinking of your um, 
collective smell? Collective smell. Oh. oh. But that. <laughs> well, shoot, if I'm doing my job, there ain't no smell. You know what I'm saying? If there's, there's no smell whatsoever. But when I'm posting, the, the smell, like, I feel like uh, this, the, the job is to let everybody know that you are uncapped. Let everyone in the room know you are uncapped. I mean, so I'm we can get that cap back on you as soon as necessary. There is a smell. Jason would would smell me when I was uncapped. There's definitely a smell. So I understand Jason would would sort of make an effort to to smell you. Yeah, he he'd get a little close to my nib, and he would take a big sniff. But I think, like, just shorthand, ethyl alcohol. Is what? Yeah, you combination yeah. and okay. probably some. Prophenols, if I'm getting that right, and some um, Tammy's nib is made of some synthetics and some wood, um, but that the smell, the natural smell of that, would probably be overpowered by what's in her barrel. Wood. Yeah, kiddo. <laughs> all yeah, right, you got a lot going for <laughs> all you. All right, all right, all right. You don't just happen. Okay, okay. You're pretty amazing. Somebody paid attention in the factory. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. yeah. Actually, yeah, I did. I want to talk a little bit about just writing. Yep. Um, are there specific letters that are more fun or that you just, you enjoy writing? I love a Q. Yeah? I love a Q. It's a circle. It's an oval. You know, it, it's up in the air. And then just when you're like, I'm done. Nope, I'm not done. I got a little bit at the end. You know, I love yeah. a Q. Yeah. I like writing a cue. Cool. Jason right. does a cursive cue, and that's disgusting. I um, no. It, let me just say this about a cursive cue. It looks like somebody messed up the number two, and anybody comes in and reads it, they they don't think it's a cue. Let it go, Jason. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, I I was gonna say the same thing, sweetie. No, you weren't. I I know I get mad about the cue. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, like, I don't, I don't know if it's a two or a Q, but you said it better. Well, Ed, is there a letter you like? I mean, like, I like a giant number one, like a full body size number one, because you go all, all the way up and I'm bored all the way down. I'm bored, and it just feels like we're together on it, though. We're both going up and then go. And we are, but I'm bored. We're together, but I'm bored. Yeah, I mean. When we're doing the number one. But like something like a six, they're just, they're, they don't do a lot for me. So, you know, we're not the same. We're married, but we're not the same. Right. Yeah, Which I that, think that's, is additive. It's true not, of all. It's not, yeah. it's not in conflict. It is. Yeah, I think all married couples are different than each other. And the successful ones, uh, those differences complement one another. Because I don't meet, I'm going to be honest, I don't meet a lot of married couples. We're the only Sharpies that I know of that are married to each other. Well, we don't hang out with a lot of Sharpies. Actually. I mean, we hang out with a few Sharpies and none of them are married to each other. Yeah. They're strong pairs. They're just not married. Right. Yeah. But the, your experience is that it's good to be different and married. Which is what I said. I um, know that's your experience. Well, I'm just saying that I think that's what a good marriage is, but you can ask him. That's what I was doing. And I support that. I think when you're different, that's the only way you can learn from each other. Otherwise, you would have nothing to talk about because you would all you would know everything the other knows, and you would feel everything the other feels, and it it wouldn't be interesting. And so your your pen, your wife, would think otherwise. She would be like, "I think it's good to both know the same things," mm. and then you learn that from her, and she learns from you that it's good to learn different things. Well, we agree on a lot of things, okay, but there okay. are a lot of things we don't don't agree on. Right, so you, right, I think right, you right. need you do need some commonality and some difference to make it work. The basic stuff like agreeing to 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 be faithful, agreeing that this is what we're doing forever, agreeing that like we love each other. The basic stuff. I yeah. was faithful. I was just capped. You know what I mean? Emotionally I was not unfaithful. I mean I think it's part of the conditions of being who you both are exactly that you don't have a, you don't have a choice yeah exactly i didn't have a choice if if i had a choice then i'd be dead right if i'm not capped i'm dead 
if I'm left out there long enough, I'm dead. Ed's fine. Ed is on a basketball hoop for who knows how long. Uh, duck it, whatever. But uh, I'm dead. So every time you say I wasn't faithful or imply it, you know, what I'm hearing is that you'd rather I be dead than capped again. And that hurts. Well, I'm glad you're alive. Thank you. I wish you'd be nicer to Carl. Carl can go to hell. I can't think of another couple I've encountered that is dealing with what you're dealing with, which is that one of you is aging and the other one isn't. Do you remember Andrew's dog that you bring into the office? Yeah. And he was explaining the dog years thing. Um, to Jason. To Jason, who, Jason oh, did not. Jason. We heard that explanation a lot because Jason could not get it. But, uh, but the gist I of it really... is that dogs die sooner than people. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It's interesting because you, you're a permanent marker. But I'm not permanent. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that a lot. But, you know, Ed's going to be here forever. Ed's made of plastic. Stays what it is, but the I'm ink not going runs anywhere. out. I'll stay on you dry forever. Can you all tell me um, about the last thing you wrote? Oh, didn't Andrew take? I mean, we haven't seen Andrew in a couple of weeks. Yeah, the last thing he wrote was uh, he wrote this thing. I'm at lunch. Fuck you, Jason. Remember, because it was really angry, and he, like, really, he did the block letters. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I think Jason was supposed to come in. They were going to work on something together, and then Jason didn't show up, so he just wrote something on the board for message for Jason. I realize you're always writing other people's messages. Um, does it ever, do you ever worry about the things, you know, you're being made to say? Honestly, I was I've been feeling fuck you, Jason, for a while. So I was all right with that. Do you think about what you would do if you if you could choose what to write? Hmm. I mean, we definitely think about it, you know? I mean, I know Ed does. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I do. Mm, dream dream message, sure. Hey, if is there any way that you could take us and uh write something with us? Yeah, sure. You would do that? Yeah. You post post me on the back of Tammy? Yeah. And you could write okay. Uh so I'll take your take you off a is that is it okay? Yeah. 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 What's that like when you're separate, by the way? To me it's like there's a burst of light, you know, all of a sudden all this light. But then um pretty soon after it's too much light and I, I miss I miss the darkness. It's interesting because Ed is both your partner, but also a, a blindfold. Yeah, Ed is uh, my partner, but also like a smothering blanket. I'll uh, I'll po- post you. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you do it a little different than Andrew. You do it a little different than Andrew. Is but... it okay? No. Yeah. No. It feels okay. good. It feels good. Um. Yeah. So I guess I don't. I I guess you're. I'm going to write with you and you'll dictate to me what. Okay. Dear Andrew. Dear Andrew. Dear Andrew, comma, new paragraph. This is going to sound crazy. We are your Sharpie, Tammy and Ed. We work hard for you. And in return, we have a request. New paragraph. Again, comma, we know this sounds totally crazy, comma, but trust us, comma, please do not throw us away, comma, even when Tammy, and then in parentheses, the Sharpie, comma, not the cap, and parentheses, is all dried up. Babe, I I say this very respectfully and with a lot of love. But it's starting to sound like Jason wrote this. 
Okay, can we let's can we start over? Yeah, I can, I got plenty of ink. We can. You know what I'm saying, though. Okay, ben? I understand. I know. I just got excited. Let me just try it again. Dear Andrew, comma new paragraph. Please never throw away your black sharpie. Period. It is lucky. It is been there for you through thick and thin, and even when it is fully dried up and useless, comma, it will still be there for you, period. Love, your Sharpie. That was great. Um, would you mind writing something for me? Sure. But on a different piece of paper, because... Okay. Respect. And also because that's for Andrew, uh... Could you just write something for me on a different piece of paper and then put it in the drawer with us? Yeah. Um, Ed, I love you uh, till the day I dry. This is Everything is Alive. The show is produced by Jennifer Mills and me, Ian Chillog, with Eva Walchover. Special thanks to Emily Spivak. Thanks also this week to Lauren Sporer. Our editor is Hilary Frank. She has a book. It's called Weird Parenting Wins. Tammy and Ed, the Sharpie, were played by Tammy Sager and Ed Herbstman. Tammy and Ed are currently writing a movie with music by Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez, the Oscar-winning songwriters behind Coco and Frozen. Uh, during the process, Tammy and Ed have gone through several Sharpies and feel kind of bad about it. A big thanks to Neve Alon for talking to us about the Egyptian writing tablet. Neve is an associate curator at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, which is celebrating its 150th anniversary this year. The centerpiece of that celebration is an exhibition about the Met's history called Making the Met. More info at metmuseum.org. A special thanks to our donors, John Dowden, Francis Rydell, Bill Magic 8-Ball Curtis, and Ben and Kelsey Churlin. We are truly grateful for your support. Another thank you to Max for your very good suggestion. New paragraph, Everything is Alive is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, comma, Julie Shapiro, comma, executive producer, exclamation point. You can get in touch with us any number of ways via everythingisalive.com. We'll see you soon. Hey, we've got some Radiotopia news to share. Your favorite 20-somethings, Merck Nguyen and Nige Turner, are back. In the new Season 5 of Adultish, the co-hosts once again bring humor and heart to the adulting process. This season, they're letting you, the listener, learn from their mistakes as they continue to figure out how to be a grown person in this confusing world. From the time Nige's fashion business failed to Merck taking accountability for being a bully, you'll hear personal stories, practical advice, and down-to-earth conversations with special guests like clean water activist Little Miss Flint and writer Ashley C. Ford. Look out for new episodes of Adultish by YR Media and Radiotopia, dropping every Thursday. Radiotopia. From PRX. Everything is Alive is brought to you by Progressive, one of the country's leading providers of auto insurance. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you say what kind of coverage you're looking for and how much you want to pay, and Progressive will help you find options that fit within your budget. Use the Name Your Price tool and start an online quote today at Progressive.com. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, let's um, let's just start, uh, settle in, have you introduce yourself for us. My name is Lewis, and I am a can of Go2 Cola. That's a store brand. Mm-hmm. Go2, G-O-2, Cola. So, so it's similar to Coca-Cola. Similar. People call it a knockoff. I've been called the best of the worst. You know, if uh, you wanted to get my honest opinion, I believe in a blind taste test. Your average person wouldn't be able to tell the difference between me and a can of regular Coca-Cola, but... 
Yeah, uh, bottom shelf. We can describe it comfortably as bottom shelf. I'm at peace with that. Literally on the... Most of the time, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I, there's there's a lot I want to talk to you about today. Do you need, any, do you need water or anything? No, no. Not, I'm, I'm completely self-contained. I want to ask you about your time before you ended up in the fridge yeah. you're in now. So you, um, you, I take it, were you were in a supermarket? Yep. And where, where were you? I was in a Safeway. I was bought at a case. So there were uh, 24 of us. We were all purchased together. And actually, uh, our next residence was a bowling alley for a 12-year-old's birthday party. Uh, I saw most of the rest of my case drunk at that party. I was not drunk. I was saved for later and brought home and uh, put into a refrigerator and then forgotten about for a few months, placed in the back of the fridge. Sure. I froze in the fridge. I was in the very back, and uh, the temperature got very cold. I didn't freeze all the way through, but uh, I had a frozen couple of weeks. Pretty you chilling. Were, you were slushy inside? I was slushy inside, yeah. yeah. And uh, I had a brief adventure when they realized I was still in the fridge, and they took me out for a road trip. I got to sit in the front seat cup holder, you know? Yeah. And I took a little fun road trip uh, down to Florida and then back again. And they never got around to drinking me on that trip. And they put me back in the fridge. And that's where I've been ever since. It sounds like you were almost chosen so many times. Yeah. Yeah. What does it feel like when you're, say, at this birthday party and you're waiting for your moment? <sighs> Have you ever seen the movie Jaws? Yeah. So you know the story that uh, that Robert Shaw tells to Roy Scheider and uh, the other guy. Anyway, you know the story about the USS Indianapolis where he's in the water and the sharks are coming and he's waiting to be picked off and he's waiting and having that long dark night and one by one he's seeing his friends go. That's kind of what it was like for me. It was terrifying. And on the one hand, I was very angry at human beings for being in this position to consume us. And then on the other hand, I was also very angry. How come you didn't want to consume me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you when you think about being consumed by a human, mm -hmm. do you think about the human that you want to be in? <laughs> if and when I'm finally consumed, I hope I'm consumed by someone who enjoys it. Mm -hmm. But I like to imagine that if you're drunk immediately, that instead of being a painful process, there's the sort of first moment of relief. The can is cracked open. All of this internal fizzing that I have going on finally has somewhere to go. Just sort of drowned out from your external can and you have that last moment where you're fulfilling your purpose and beginning to blend in with this human being and you become part of their story. Truthfully, here's how I expect to go, assuming that I am consumed. I'm expecting it's going to happen in the middle of the night when I'm not waiting for it and someone's going to open the fridge and pull me out and that'll be that. It would be nice to be poured into a nice big pint glass, you know. Frosty mug would be a pretty good way to go. That'd be pleasant, you know. I doubt that's going to happen, though. They don't reserve frosty mugs for go-to colas. That's just another one of those facts of life. How did you see Jaws? Oh, uh, the human being who lives in my house was watching Jaws. They took me out of the fridge and kept me on the table. And I thought, this is it. This is my big moment. Kind of part of me. There was the Robert Shaw scene where he's telling the story of the Indianapolis, and I was thinking, boy, this is just too perfect. This would be amazing. And he was reaching for me. He was going to go for me. And then at the last minute, uh, you know, uh, another human being came into the house and scolded him on not drinking soft drinks. So he put me back in the fridge. Wow. Yeah. That would have been perfect, huh? Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I should ask you, there, there's a lot of talk right now about the health effects mm -hmm. of so soft drinks. People mm -hmm. tend to think of of them as very unhealthy. I'm just wondering, do you, do you feel unhealthy? Do I feel unhealthy? It's hard to say because I think if you were feeling the way I feel, 
you would feel unhealthy. Right. But I feel like me. I can't say that that means I feel good. But um, but to go back to your question, you know, unhealthy drinks are not like a new thing by any means. Have you ever heard of Radithor? 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 All right, so, so back in the 20s, there was an energy drink with radium called Radithor, okay? And, and, and the idea was it was just radioactive material in water. They claimed Radithor gave you energy and cured a bunch of things. They also implied um, that Radithor increased male virility. Radithor also killed, uh, you know, people. So people would just uh, drink radioactive material dissolved in water. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just looking it up here. Uh, there's actually, there's an eBay ad. Uh, there's a bottle of Radithor for sale. Oh, come on now. It's currently $659. got to be kidding me. Just, it says here, this certified radioactive water uh-huh. was advertised as a, quote, cure for the living dead uh-huh. and, quote, perpetual sunshine. Mm-hmm. It goes on. One guy who used it, Eben Byers, died from radiation poisoning and they had to bury him in a lead-lined coffin. Yeah, that's what you get when you drink uh, radioactive material. So they made a beverage which not only killed a man, but his dead body would have, had they not taken precautions, uh, killed all life around him. Yes, presumably his dead body is still radiating the poisons that he drank from Radithor. In fact, the the ad goes on. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> they exhumed him for study in 1965. Oh, come and on. And his r- remains were still quite radioactive. Yep. It then mentions that the developer of Radithor was not an actual medical doctor. Yeah, that sounds about right to me, too. Also, the bottle is in very good condition. So there's your original power drink for you. I, that says to me more about human beings than it does about soft drinks, to be perfectly honest. Our uh, our willingness, our, our eagerness to find something to... Your, your chronic search for potency. Yeah. That's my evaluation of humanity. A chronic search for potency. Hello. Hey, I'm calling for Jeff. Yep. Hey Jeff, uh, you you're um you're the man behind the bygone times vintage, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty. <laughs> um, I I noticed one of your eBay listings. So you put up the Radithor. Radithor. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that for real? Oh yeah. What happened was I was at a flea market and I found a, a set of about twenty twenty five of these things. Okay. It was like a shipping crate or something. And uh, so, yeah, I have sold a few of those. Now, and is it so. is it a reproduction or is it an original bottle? No, these these are original. <laughs> yeah, original. Did you check them with a Geiger counter? Um, I have not. I don't. Uh, I I just assumed they wouldn't have any. There's no contents in them, obviously. But I haven't. No, I didn't. I didn't check up with the Geiger counter. I don't. I suspected since they're from the 1920s, it would be done, gone. I think maybe it wouldn't be gone. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> Can I put them on a, under a black light or something? I hope it's not still active. I would. That raises an interesting question, sir. Did did you know much about uh, Radithor when you, you know, when you... No, no. Yeah. No, I got on... Uh, fortunately, now we have the Internet, uh, and Google is quite helpful. It's really an interesting story. I don't know if you've taken the time to uh, to look into it, but it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah well, I just, I just heard about it. It's um, crazy that we, we humans I know, did that. Like, I like the story about the guy who um, died from it, and then they dug him up in the 60s in his lead-lined coffin. He was still radioactive. That's why I, worry. I feel like uh, you should maybe get checked out. You are I think I will, yeah. I yeah. think I will now that you said that, because I didn't really think that the glass would hold any of that, but I guess it's possible. You know, radiation you don't want to mess around with, I guess, when it comes down no. to No. No, I hear you. 
Hey, I have to, uh, I'm driving and I, I don't want to, I'm getting onto a busy road now, so I need to unfortunately hang up on you. Got it, cool. yeah. Be safe. Okay, bye. Lewis, one, one quick thing I want to ask you about. Um, I have, in my life, uh, occasionally dropped a can of soda. Oh, yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, it's an awful experience. It, you feel, I mean, obviously very shaken. There's a rush, I guess, of uh, in human being terms, it'd be like a rush of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while, you're feeling just very, very um, hyper after the shakeup. And then you start to sort of resettle back to a neutral state, but you have this awful kind of nauseous, sicky, sleepy feeling after the fact. And you feel kind of dumb, you know, the shakeup kind of like rattles you a little bit and it takes a little bit of time for your intelligence to kind of come back to you. It's an awful experience. Hey, I imagine too, like we often, after that happens, we will tap on what would be your head. Don't. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't. Don't. There's no reason to do it. It doesn't do anything to the carbonation. All it does is annoy us in a very sensitive moment. Yeah, don't do that. So, Lewis, I this might be awkward to talk about, but I feel like there's a hierarchy to sodas, at least in terms of how humans think about them. Sure. At the top, there's, you know, Coke and Pepsi, and then there's 7-Up and Sprite, and then there's these, you know, like your Sunkist and Grape Soda Fanta that are kind of at the bottom. I wonder if that, does that hierarchy, does it mean the same thing to you? Well, l- let me tell you something about Fanta. I mean, sure, here in the U.S., it's not the most sophisticated soft drink, but overseas, it's huge. Like Japan, huge. Fanta. Fanta. In Thailand, it's all over the place. If you walk down the street there, you'll see half-open bottles of Fanta everywhere. Strawberry Fanta in particular, everywhere, just hanging out. Just like sitting on the street. Yeah, just on the street, because humans there use Strawberry Fanta as an offering to ghosts. So they leave it out on the street because... Giving it to ghosts. Yes. Friendly ghosts, according to local custom, love sweet red soda. So if you leave it out, it attracts them, and they hang out around your house and protect you from, you know, I guess whatever unfriendly ghosts might come around, who I guess don't love sweet red soda. Right. Do you do you know what it is about um, strawberry Fanta in particular? Uh, because of the color. So there's a theory that it's because they can't do blood offerings anymore. And so strawberry Fanta, which is another, you know, red uh, uh, viscous liquid, would be the next best thing. Strawberry Fanta, among the sodas available to us, looks the most like blood. Yeah, which I personally don't see. Okay. But, you know, it's a Thailand thing. We humans, we think a lot about, you know, spirits or, or at least, you know, what might happen to us after we die. Do you, as a cola, do you think about that? The afterlife? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you not? You think about it all the time. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm I'm reaching that age myself where I'm probably not going to be around that much longer. Mm-hmm. You are, I mean, you are recyclable. Uh, yeah, which opens up a whole other conversation. You know, my, my body, my can, will almost certainly be re- repurposed. And then that leads me to, you know, ask questions of like, well, have I already been repurposed? I don't know. You could have been any number of sodas or... Or anything else. An airplane? I could have been. I actually, when I was younger, I used to have a recurring nightmare that I was... There was a plane crashing. There was an ocean and a beach. And in the it was nighttime and it was raining and there was a plane crashing on the beach. And uh, I used to like to think that uh, in a previous existence, I was part of an airplane. And this was some sort of uh, memory that had traveled with me. Maybe I was part of like a... I don't know, ventilation system on board of a 747 or something. You referred to your your can as your body, yeah. or your body as your can. Is, yeah. is there an equivalency between, you know, a human's talk about body and soul? Uh, is, is I, I'm sorry. Is, no, 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 no. I'm only sighing because I wish I had the answer to this question. Is there an equivalence? Yes. Yes, the body-mind problem that human beings have been dealing with since the days of Descartes is uh, something all too familiar to us cans of soda. Am I just a can? Am I soda? What does it mean to be soda? Am I part of the larger ocean of soda out there? Am I just the individuated soda? Am I soda interacting with a can? Am I can being slowly eaten away by the soda inside me? I've thought about this a lot. Yeah, 
I don't have an answer, but it's something I wrestle with all the time. What am I fundamentally? Once the soda's gone, the can remains, but bye-bye me, I think. Yeah, who knows? Uh, who knows? These are the mysteries that permeate every level of existence, as far as I know. I have to say, I think I think about the type of can you are with the pull tab. Mm-hmm. And then I think about other cans in the kitchen, you know, like a soup can. I don't know if you know any soup cans. I, I know a couple of soup cans. And it, it occurs to me, you are so lucky <laughs> because... You think about the way a soup can gets opened. Oh yeah, that the a can opener to me seems like a torture device. It is, and let me tell you something else too. The I thank God every day of my life that I was not born a can of minestrone soup. I at least have lived a life. I know where I've been. You know, I'm not all of my dreams may have necessarily come true. I may have taken a couple of bad turns here and there, but at least at the end of the day, I've been witness to my own life. These poor bastards who are stuck in these soup cans. I mean, talk about hermetically sealed. They lose all sense of time and perspective. When you open a can of soup, when they wake up, they have no idea how much time has passed. They're like astronauts coming out of cryogenic freeze. And they're all spaced out and they're completely disoriented. They don't know what's going on. And their wake-up call is being torn open by these damn can openers. What a nightmare of an existence. Their flesh is literally busted open only to wake up into a world that they don't know anything about. All the rest of us stay away from the cans of soup. And I'll be honest with you, I feel awful about it. But whenever I try to talk to a can of soup, they are weird. Um, you've mentioned that you're you're feeling like you're nearing the end of your life. Oh, yeah. What Do you feel old? Or oh, you, yeah. Yeah? Oh, very much so. I know for a fact I'm old. I can look at my expiration date. Okay. And can I ask how close you are? T minus two weeks to go, my friend. Wow. Mm-hmm. So what, but you could keep going on after that. That's I could. just. That, I could. It's not recommended, but I could. Does it seem, I mean, I, I think about this with you because um, it, and I'm sorry if I have, this isn't the right way to put it, but it seems like your purpose is to be consumed by a human. Yeah. And so, you know, we all want to serve our purpose. We all want to be useful. Yeah. Um, and yet for you, the moment of your use is the moment where you are no more. And I wonder if that's something you anticipate with optimism or if it feels like, you know, approaching the end. That's a paradox, isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, I guess on the one hand, I do sort of dread the idea of being consumed yeah. You know, all beings endeavor to persist in their own being. Spinoza said that. I heard about that from a uh, cup of coffee. Hmm. But on the other hand, I guess on some level, I still hope that, uh, that I will kind of fulfill myself by being consumed. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think that dream is still, is still very much alive. Though yeah. if I'm being perfectly honest with you, um, you know, I do... I do sometimes fear that that moment has passed. I feel weird saying this, but um, I could drink you. Right now? Yeah. I mean, I want, I, 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 I want you, I'm, I am thirsty, but I also, I want this to be a good moment for you. I, I want you to be ready. I don't want you to do it if you're not ready. Well, I'll make a deal with you. I've always said I wanted to go with my eyes wide open. I'm prepared to end it here if you promise me that even if you're disgusted by how I taste, you will finish the can. I I will make you that promise. Is there anything you want to say to the humans you've encountered, the cans you've encountered, the countertops you've known? I think... I think overall I would say life is a gift and a blessing. And I don't believe anything ends, but everything simply transforms into the next thing. I would say, uh, if I can be a little bit soft-hearted and sentimental for a moment or two, uh, it's a gift to get to be anything at all. Hmm. Well, maybe what what we'll do, in the, just in the interest of, of journalism, is I'll... Uh... 
drink about half, mm-hmm. and then we'll check in again. Great. Do you want to talk while I'm drinking you? I don't. Just... No. Okay. No, I want to have the full experience. Okay. But I'll check in with you at the halfway mark. All right. So, um, I'm uh, I'm picking you up. <sighs> Give me one second. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <sighs> this, I have to say, feels delightful. All right, well, uh, I guess uh, cheers, cheers to you with you. Here's hoping for the best. I mean, you're, um, you are delicious. Thank you. You're very gentle. This is a trippy feeling. I'm not going to lie. All right. My first report. (laughs) Feeling very spacious inside right now. Feeling, I got, I got room to be. Yeah. But I'm also, I'm feeling the warmth of the tummy. Very strange thing. I'm in two places at once, spacious in my own body, but feeling warm and secure in your own tummy. Mm-hmm. Wow. All of a sudden, I find myself uh, thinking about my body. I'm thinking about my body, and I'm hoping that my body is a good place for you. I think so. I don't mind telling you my first impression of the inside of your own tummy. You seem to be taking pretty good care of yourself. Thank you. Yeah. I am seeing some, are you sweating? Seeing some? With joy. All right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little more. You go ahead and finish me off. Okay. Are you, are you still there? This is Everything is Alive. The show is produced by Jennifer Mills and me, Ian Chillog. We got help this week from Emily Spivak, Sarah Geis, Mackenzie Fagan, Eva Walchover, and Bill Curtis. A very special thanks to Stevie Lane and Jorge Just. Also, Teddy Blanks and Adam Squires at Chips. We're grateful to the reporting of Patrick Wynn and Timothy Jorgensen. On this episode, we heard the song Sheets 2 from the band Mountains. That's off their album Coral. Everything is Alive is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, and we are eternally grateful to Julie Shapiro, executive producer. Lewis, the can of generic cola, was played by Lewis Kornfeld. Our website is everythingisalive.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Ian Chillog and on Instagram at EIA Podcast. If there's a thing you want us to talk to, let us know. We'll see you soon. Radio Tokyo from PRX. Hey, we've got some Radiotopia news to share. Your favorite 20-somethings, Merck Nguyen and Nige Turner, are back. In the new season five of Adultish, the co-hosts once again bring humor and heart to the adulting process. This season, they're letting you, the listener, learn from their mistakes as they continue to figure out how to be a grown person in this confusing world. From the time Nige's fashion business failed to Merck taking accountability for being a bully, you'll hear personal stories, practical advice, and down-to-earth conversations with special guests like clean water activist Little Miss Flint and writer Ashley C. Ford. Look out for new episodes of Adultish by YR Media and Radiotopia, dropping every Thursday.